Welcome to season two of the Gutsiest Brands podcast. We're back with more guts and more brands and are delighted to bring you a new collection of engaging stories and lessons from some of the world's leading brands and brand leaders. In today's episode, the doctor is in. Jess Gedeke sits down to chat with Rochelle Weiner, the Senior Vice President of Global Insights and Analytics for Kids Too, where she works with brands such as Ingenuity, Bright Starts, and Baby Einstein. Rochelle has a PhD in child developmental psychology and more than 25 years experience with retail channels and brands including Mattel and PepsiCo. She has a history of developing actionable consumer and shopper insights and a passion for child development. Listen in while Jess and Rochelle discuss how empathy plays an integral role in building products for children and families, what the future of work looks like for today's children and just how parents can prepare them for it, and what Kids 2 is doing to help with that future. Well, Rochelle, thank you so much for joining us here on the Gutsiest Brands podcast. I'm really thrilled to have your point of view and be talking with you today. So welcome. Thank you. I'm excited to be here today and always uh, a pleasure to speak with you, Jess. Oh, thank you. So let's start by having you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background. You have a rich set of brands in your background. We'd love to hear a little bit about it. Sure. Um, I have probably a unique start to my career. So I usually start by talking people through that because um, I really started academia and was always interested in child development and have my PhD and master's in child development or child developmental psychology, actually. Um, I grew up, both my parents were trained psychologists. So um, I'm the only one of the three of us who ended up being a psychologist, but um, not completely surprising, I guess, that I ended up there. And got really interested when I was in graduate school in consumer psychology. I took a course um, with a professor I really liked um, when I was in graduate school, understanding more about how people think and how they buy and what they're thinking about as it relates to a consumer experience. And I thought to myself, wouldn't that be really interesting um, if I could pair those two things together, children and families, that piqued my interest. And I started to seek out consulting opportunities Um, Even while I was finishing grad school and was able to do um, a little bit of that uh, when I started out. And then I took my first uh, really consumer insights job at Mattel uh, and I worked on the Barbie brand, flew all the way across. I had been in New York, flew all the way across to California and started my career out there. Um, And it was really fun. I loved the toy industry. Of course, iconic brand. Um, You say Barbie and pretty much everybody knows exactly what you're talking about in any part of the world, I think. So it was very fun to, I always had a love for toys. And so um, that was the perfect category for me to kind of combine that child development and um, consumer psychology. And so did a lot of research when I was at Mattel. I worked on, like I said, the Barbie brand, but I worked on consumer products. I worked on um, some advertising. I worked on the collectibles business, which was a totally different consumer target. Um, and it's super interesting in and of itself, um, even got to go to some Barbie convention. So I moved back to the area um, with Pepsi and was able to do two really fun things at Pepsi that, again, kind of spoke to me as a person. One was I worked for brand Pepsi and got to um, talk about all of those great marketing programs and promotions and um, fun things you do with a great brand like Pepsi. And also at the time, Um, was kind of the teen or kid family expert there as well. And then I worked on another part of the business at the time um, 
trying to remember what it was called, um, but it was um, promotions and grassroots sports um, kind of development. And I have love of sports. Um, and I don't know if you actually knew that about me, but um, I do. I've always loved sports. Even as a kid growing up, I played sports. I'm a big spectator. I have children. All of my boys have played sports. Um, in fact, my middle son plays division one baseball. And um, one of my favorite things to do is of course, watch him and his teammates. Yeah, for sure. Um, so when I went to Pepsi, of course, they have this great heritage in sports. So not only working for great brands, but great brands in different contexts. Um, so working, understanding, um, you know, what sportsmen and doing projects around NASCAR and MLB, which was really fun, in addition to some positioning and other brand work at Pepsi. Um, and also, while I was there, I worked on the food service business. So a totally different um, way to think about brands and how they show up outside of the places that you're purchasing just for your family. And you're going to places like restaurants and you're at schools and workplaces. So um, spent a lot of time there working on those projects. Um, and then I also had a consulting business before I came here to Kids Too, and had great um, clients, whether that be the Children's Place or Tarani and Jello. And I worked on Netflix, which was one of my favorites. Um, so I had a great um, kind of portfolio of brands that I got an opportunity to work with before coming to Kids Too. Um, and of course, at Kids Too, I've been here. A little more than five years. When I started Kids 2, one of the most compelling uh, things about coming to Kids 2 was the brands um, and also coming back to the toy industry and working very specifically on um, brands that speak to families. You know, I've had that as a component in all the different places that I worked, including when I had my own business, but couldn't really focus 100%. So one of the amazing things about coming to Kids 2 is really being able to focus on um, brands that were for families and babies and, um, and parents and kids. So um, our beloved three brands of um, Ingenuity, of Bright Stars, and of course, Baby Einstein, um, which is beloved. Yeah, I'm missing anything. <laughs> that was great. And, and those are certainly some beloved brands. So I'm excited to dig into that. Um, but let's just take it one tick back for a second. We always like to ask our guests, what was the very first job you had in your life? Um, the very first job I had in my life was really babysitting. I think I've always, I think I talked about this a little while. I've always loved children. Even, um, you know, when I was a teenager, you know, I was a camp counselor, um, had different roles where I was able to care for children and, um, babysitting is really the very first one that I remember taking care of, um, you know, neighbors and their, their babies or their young children. Um, that was probably the one that I remember the most and, that really hasn't changed. That's still what makes me happy. And, and um, I love to do is focus on uh, families and kids and babies. That's awesome. Hopefully your hourly wage is a little bit better now. <laughs> I don't know. It depends on the week. <laughs> don't get ourselves with that. Okay. Well, let's get into it. Let's get into some of the characteristics of a gutsy brand. And I'd love to start with one of my favorites, which is leading with empathy. And I think there are very few categories that are more emotional than the baby category, right? So empathy for new parents, it's must be imperative if you're going to develop products and solutions that really meet them where they are. So tell us a little bit how you approach this at kids too, and, and embed this empathy for your, um, your young parents. Absolutely. And it's one of my favorites. It's probably my favorite um, characteristic of all of them as well. At kids too, we have a very um, specific purpose and mission that not only comes from the top of the company, but is something that everybody at the company believes in and me as well. And it's 
quite frankly, one of the reasons that I was sold on kids to when I learned about it. And um, it's something we call tiny ones, bright futures. And so it's our kids to purpose. And really, our goal is to help families and help parents, right? Becoming a new parent for the first time, or in whatever way that is, you have your own child, you adopt, and whatever way you become a parent for the first time is a challenging transition. And so our goal is to make that easier and to let parents focus on their time together with their new baby um, and really um, thinking about all of those things that they need to accomplish in their day to feel good about being a parent and our the role of our products to help them do that. And so if you think about um, when you're becoming a parent, especially for the first time, it's so daunting, all of the things that you're going through, you have all the emotions, you don't really know what you're doing. You have all of these people that tell you all of these different things. And um, how do you celebrate those tiny wins? And how do we help them get there? And so I just remember when my oldest child was a baby. Um, and it was crazy trying to think about how this life has changed. And just getting to do things like shower or fold some laundry was really the simplest of tiny win throughout the day. But you put all of those things together and it really helps parents to see that bright future that we talk about. And so having that purpose and really being consumer driven in our approach, we think about um, our parents and our babies, of course, who are end user. We think about how do we make it easy for them to achieve those goals. And then also, if you think all the way through to people purchasing our products, how do we make it easier for them to pick the right products? And of course, we want it to be our products and our brands. And I'm sure there's a whole registry dynamic there that you have to think about, right? Because some products you pick yourself, but some are chosen for you. And so how can you ensure that you're getting that brand loyalty over time. But I, I love the, I love the, the thoughts of how you can give them the tiny wins because man, shower and a cup of coffee at that time. <laughs> exactly. Well, and, and it's become so ingrained in me that honestly I do it in my personal life. I'm no longer a first time parent, but I think about my life like that. You know, if I'm on the weekend and I'm busy doing things and, you know, something small happens, but it's such a positive momentum for my day. I'm like, Oh, tiny win. Um, and it really just becomes a part of who we are and we do live and breathe it. I've been parts of, part of other organizations and, you know, sometimes you have a mission or a purpose, but you don't really live it or see it every day. I really feel like here it is always kind of sitting at the top of my brain as I'm thinking about, about all the work during the day, mm. which is amazing. Yeah, that is amazing. That's really special. And, you know, you serve a very important uh, place in your organization. And one of the things I'd like to link that to is this idea of gutsy brands. They stand behind bold ideas, even if they're not well understood or popular at the time. And what I'd love to tap into is your background, your, your academic background. As you mentioned, you have a PhD in developmental and child psychology. And so you really need to serve as an educator for your organization when it comes to learning philosophies for baby Einstein in particular. So I'm just curious, how do you approach educating your team and sort of building that conviction for that, those philosophies? It is something that is definitely um, part of what I do and whether it's kind of the consumer insights and product development research that we're doing or um, more on the child development side. I somewhat joke that I run a consumer insights and chopper insights global team, but my side job is child development 
Um, I love both of them. Um, so I'm very happy that I have the job that I do, that I get both. And, um, you know, I think one of my favorite projects to work on really was um, helping to develop the learning philosophy for Baby Einstein. And so Baby Einstein at its core has always been about curiosity um, and inspiring curiosity. And, um, you know, we talk about why is curiosity important and how is that a predictor for the future? So um, I did work as we were thinking about curiosity and really trying to understand the literature around that and understanding why will this be important for kids in the future and why do parents want to inspire curiosity? What does it mean? And so if you look at the academic research and one of my favorite quotes that actually sits in our showroom downstairs and is in the white paper is that, um, when we developed this a few years ago, we were looking at a future of jobs report and looking at, you know, how is the future going to be for these kids that are now babies and zero to two years old? And what does the future look like for them and jobs and beyond that? And so one of the stats that we had kind of captured was, I think it was 85% of jobs in the um, year 2030 haven't been invented yet. I forget if it's 80 or 85. I think it's 85%. Um, Whatever and, it is, it's high. <laughs> yeah, it's it's very high. And it's, um, you know, how as a parent, do you prepare a child for a future where you don't know what that is going to look like? And so again, you go back to, as a parent, you have all these decisions and all these things to think about. How do you prepare your child? So as we think about the real world, which is at the core of baby Einstein's learning philosophy is connecting everything that we do to the real world. And so that stat is really important for us because the only thing that you can prepare them for is asking the right questions and learning and being curious. And so it becomes more of a task of setting a child up for success and having a growth mindset and being a learner more so than developing only hard skills. And so the way in which we did that was we focused on, um, you know, all of the things that were important for development for um, children, you know, whether it be brain development or, um, you know, STEAM, this big focus of baby Einstein is around STEAM and STEAM content, because that is going to be a driver of the future. And so um, we developed this white paper um, to really talk about that learning philosophy and how it is something that not only drives our product development, but it drives our content. Um, we have some new Baby Einstein shows um, that have come out and are coming out as well, which are exciting. And so how do we make sure that the product development and the content are things that are setting up the children for curiosity and for things like real world learning. And so we talk about it internally, we talk about it with our retailers and our customers um, and because it is so important to how we develop our brand. Um, and so we do wanna make sure that we reinforce that. You know, when you're training or, or talking about something that's new to an organization, you can't just present it one time and then walk away, right? So again, it is about living and breathing that behavior and that attitude. And so we have it in the front of every um, meeting deck where we're presenting and talking about the brand that at its core, it is about sitting behind this Einstein way is what we refer to it. The Einstein way is the learning philosophy that drives the baby Einstein brand. And so um, I'm hoping if you were to pull most of the people in the company, they do know now what the Einstein way is. Um, and have heard about it, we've created some internal videos to help people understand and really try to connect um, learning philosophy, what's important to kids, to product, to content, to ultimately what parents are looking for. Yeah. I love so many parts of what you just said, but I, I'm really struck by this idea that you're, you're kind of instilling that curiosity in your organization to understand enough about 
child psychology and developmental psychology to sort of connect the dots between what you're doing as a brand and why it matters to those little human beings and those little brains. So that's really cool. That's really meaningful work. So baby Einstein, you talked about Barbie. Why don't we go back to your Pepsi days for a minute? Because (laughs) another characteristic of gutsy brands that we like to talk about is pioneering a new path. And when we were talking about this, Rochelle, you were talking about at Pepsi, you found some new ways to explore this dynamic of brand adoption and loyalty. And that's a topic that I find really fascinating. So can you tell us some of the ways that you found a new way to look at that? Yeah, happy to. It was a project that went back to as kind of a transition time in Pepsi when we were, you know, in food service and there was um, brands that were introduced to kids at schools or brands that were introduced in movie theaters or brands that were introduced food and beverages, beverage specifically. Um, And, you know, what happens if those channels aren't available to introduce those products to, you know, teenagers really, in this case is what it was. And so we were really trying to understand at what point in people's lives do they get exposure to brands? Do they start to adopt them? And then what are the drivers of loyalty And so, you know, how does that ebb and flow throughout your lifetime? Because the marketing and the brand messaging that you do becomes important at the right time, right? And so what's the right message at the right time for those brands in order to stay relevant? So um, we came up with an approach to really start to understand that in doing first some qualitative research. Um, And what we did was different ages of um, consumers where we had different focus groups and we had some exercises around understanding brand importance at the different stages. So um, we would talk to people about, think of your life, and it could be longer or shorter, depending on, of course, the age of the person as a book. And then how do you create the chapters? What are, and we let people kind of define what were the chapters of your life. So maybe it was elementary school or if it was a teenager, maybe it was when I was a baby. And when I, um, you know, went to school for the first time as an adult, maybe it's when you got married or when you went to work. And so we realized these are all kind of milestone important times in people's lives where brands can kind of enter or leave or become more or less important. And so what we learned was there are definitely different times, particularly for beverages that people are being exposed, whether it's in their parents' home or maybe with friends, when you're in college, you're introduced to some different things. We started to paint that picture and we came up with a couple of different things about um, the importance of different channels. But one of my favorite things that came out of the research was something we called a boomerang brand. And so um, an example might be like Tropicana or Tide in the case of laundry detergent, where um, when you lived in your parents' home, your parents used it. You didn't really have any control over it. You just almost had this passive adoption of it. It was in your fridge. You opened it and you want orange juice, you drink Tropicana. And then you kind of exit the category a little bit when you're in college, right? You're not still, you know, it's not in your fridge. You're maybe at a um, dorm and you're getting orange juice, maybe not ordering it on your own when you go out. And so it's kind of less relevant or almost dormant. And then when you start your own home, that's when those brands start to kind of boomerang back around again. Okay, I'm now in my own home. I have my own child. What brand am I going to pick? And so if a brand spoke to them when they're younger and somehow maintain that throughout their lives, they automatically go right back to that boomerang brand, right? Well, my mom always had in the fridge. I love Tropicana. I had a warm feeling. And now that I'm ready, the brand is still relevant to me. The marketing messages are there. The products are there. And so it was a really interesting concept of 
even if there are consumers that aren't currently into your category or buying, they may come back around again. So, you know, it's important to understand at what life stages um, that marketing message and those brands become important. So I love that was one of my favorite projects. Um, it was really interesting from, a, of course, a developmental perspective for me to see, you know, the differences in how people of various ages and where they were interacting with those brands mattered. So you might not, for example, interact with a brand often at a movie theater, but when you're a teenager and you're going to a movie theater, that's a fun time with your friend, right? So if you got a Pepsi at a movie theater, that created that connection of that, you know, maybe a brand loyalty moment, maybe not 100% brand loyalty, but those opportunities where you can connect Pepsi to fun and connect Pepsi to social. And so understanding the role of channel also was part of um, the goal of the research. So really interesting. So we believe in the power of and, and that is finding opportunities where others might force trade-offs. And one way that this is embodied, particularly in an insights organization, is how you embed both a deep understanding of consumer behavior and a robust analytics program, yet with an agility that meets budget and time constraints. And that power of and is really meaningful to our insights community. So can you talk to us a little bit about how you've been able to achieve that at Kids Too? Of course. We often refer to our team, and I know you've heard me say this before, as small but mighty. Um, I think probably in this organization, most people have probably heard me say that um, because we are lean on resources, both people and budget. And so we have to make do with what we have and so do more with less. And so that's really important when it comes to market research, you know, across companies, not kids to alone, lots of other, probably every company I've worked for, right? Market research or insights isn't, um, um, isn't driving revenue directly, right? It's not like we go and sell something and automatically. So how do we make sure that we're doing the most with what we have and driving revenue and driving conversations with our retailers? And so it's important to have the right people here, but it's also to have the right vendor partners that can partner with us on doing things like concept testing and doing things like qualitative research. And I know Gut Check is um, one of our very valued partners, and we do a lot of great work together. And what we're trying to achieve is understand the consumer, get the feedback on our products, you know, get the right insights we need to drive the business. Um, and so that and is, you know, an and of um, the team, but it's also an and for us of our extended team of vendor partners um, that we work with that, you know, we couldn't live without because they're an extension of our team. And so Small But Mighty becomes a mix of, for our team, using valued partners and also doing some things DIY and sometimes being scrappy. And, you know, if you're um, someone who works on consumers, sometimes you're working on shoppers, sometimes you're working on retailer. And just like I said, kind of doing, um, you know, the best we can with what we have. And um, I think if you were to ask people about, I've often heard people say from the outside, people who coming here new from big companies, wow, we have such great insights and research that I didn't have at these p- big companies. How do you do that? And so I think it's being smart about the research that we do that we know is going to drive the business and inform you know, our partners cross-functionally. Um, we also have a knowledge management tool online. I know you've heard me talk about it. We, we call it finally the vault. Um, and it is a knowledge management system where all of the great information that we gather, whether it is um, you know, expertise on child development 
or it's, you know, research that we're doing with you at GoCheck. Um, you know, we put it in a place or our analytics, honestly, where people can easily get to share information, for example. All of that is put on our vault so that if it's, let's say, our cross-functional partner that is in Australia and we're not sitting at our desk, they can still access all of our great insights work. Or if it's, you know, two o'clock in the morning and someone's cramming for, a, you know, retail uh, line review, they have access to product information that we've, you know, conducted research for. So um, it's a combination of having, for us, it's, and it's, our team is, you know, one plus one is more than two because we need to be small but mighty. It's having those great extended partners like GetCheck. And it's also having great tools that we have in place to make it easier to, um, you know, kind of socialize off the great insights work. I think that that's so important to find that way to make the the data and the knowledge accessible, um, but also shareable in a way that, that people can know what to do with it. So I think you've done some great things at, at Kids too. So, yeah. so bravo. I appreciate that. So if you think about the characteristics we've been discussing, particularly leading with empathy, what role do consumer understanding and market research play in your ability to lead brands in this gutsy and empathetic way? Really for us, research is at the core. So if I go back to our, our company purpose around um, you know, consumer-driven solutions, it is really research is important for us to really understand the consumer and think about what's going to help them. And so there are definitely things I talk about um, parenting solutions in a couple of different ways. One is it's a life stage, right? So when you become a parent, there are things that are very similar, whether you live here, whether you live in China, whether you live in you know the UK, there are very foundational things about becoming a parent. Um, there's also things that transcend time, right? So you, your baby needs to sleep in order for you to sleep. You need to feed your baby. Um, your baby's going to want to play, learning and development, all those milestones are important. Um, and so for us, making sure we understand all of that expertise and understanding what's happening with parents today as it relates to all of those parts of the life stage. But it's also important for us to think about the time in which it's happening. And so right now for parents, um, knowing about millennial parents, they're our core group of parents, but coming up right behind them is our Gen Z parents. Um, and I love generational marketing, marketing theory around generations. It's fascinating to me. Um, and I've always been interested in it for my whole career, but this is really a place for understanding, are they going to embrace this life stage differently and how so? And how are they going to be different? How are their attitudes different? How are their behaviors different? How are they shopping differently? What do they like? And so um, kind of, making sure we understand the consumer needs for both that um, core consumer, but also understand how that changes over time. Research is really important to do that and to tap into, make sure that we continue to evolve our solutions and our products to meet those needs. And the generational aspect is is so interesting and, and one for, for parenthood that, gosh, that's interesting. I'm, I'm trying to pick sure my daughter's 13 now. So gosh, hopefully we're way off from her starting <laughs> family, but but uh, just thinking about how the attitudes and behaviors of that cohort are different and how that will play out in parenthood is really interesting. And I imagine something you need to get ahead of, right? You need to be researching that now to make sure you've got your pipeline that can satisfy those needs a decade out. Exactly, exactly. And so we're planning now for when that transition happens. There's still a couple years away from that being kind of the core part of that parent of the, you know, our core zero to two. 
And so as we think about that, um, we are thinking differently about our planning and we're also doing research to make sure we're staying on top of the pulse of, um, you know, what's going to be important to them. Um, and I, ha- I actually have three Gen Zs um, <laughs> and about to become an empty nester. Um, and so they're probably closer to that um, life stage than your daughter is. But um, but it is interesting just observing maybe the consumer child psychologist to me watching, you know, how they're um, different from me, of course, and things like media and shopping, but also then from each other, there's a gap between my oldest and my youngest of about five years. And even I see some differences in, in them and, and um, their approaches to life. And, um, you know, just it's, it's fascinating to me to just watch. So um, maybe it's not great to be the child of a psychologist. <laughs> and I can say that because I'm a child of a psychologist. <laughs> yeah, you know it well. But no, I think it's playing out well in your life choices. <laughs> Thank you. Are there any other brands you experience either as a professional or a consumer that you think really embody some of these characteristics that we haven't talked about? The one I was thinking about, maybe maybe this is a good brand. And it's one that I worked on, but it's really one that I'm a consumer of too, um, is maybe Netflix. And and part of the reason is if you go back to where Netflix started and what they were solving for, right? Entertainment needs. And because I do have older children, I remember when we were getting the DVDs to our household and I remember having to pick and choose. You could only get two, I think, at the time. And um, as a parent trying to um, entertain my child, entertain my family. Um, We didn't have streaming services back then, or I can't remember if we even had smartphones. And it was such an important part of family time. And if I fast forward to, you know, all the way through to now, um, we all have it on our phones. We use it still for family time. Um, You know, we will watch shows together. We'll watch movies together. um, And it has evolved with the consumer and you know not all brands can especially in a competitive market like that and so you know even the content i feel like whenever we go on looking for something we can find whatever it is we're looking for and you know i have one kid in grad school one kid in college and we um can find things to either watch together or watch and talk about or recommend to another and my other son is still home but he's going to college soon or even my mom you know my uh, mom who's in new york we still have that kind of commonality to share i I love tv so that's maybe part of it too but um you know having that entertainment and something you can relate whether it be a parent or a child um and how that entertainment is so important part or for me, it's such an important part of my life. So that might be one brand. I mean, I, I had the opportunity of working on it. Um, and so I loved it before. I, I still love it. Um, I worked on the kids part of the business, which and that thinking as a parent, um, you know, back when my children were little, I think there was PBS Kids and Nickelodeon and maybe at some point Disney and Cartoon Network. But, um, you know, I go back and look at how entertainment has evolved when uh, I was a kid from Saturday morning cartoons until now, all the choices that parents have baby Einstein, hello, Einstein studios, which is our production arm for our baby Einstein shows. Um, We have shows that are on different platforms, including YouTube, which is another one that um, didn't exist when my kids were there, but it really opened up the door to lots of great content for parents to, to watch for themselves and also watch with their families. And Netflix is a great example of multiple characteristics, right? Obviously pioneering a new path and now doing the official pivot from um, 
yeah, but DVDs are sunset in September, I think. So I got to send my last episode of Project Runway, uh, you know, from season (laughs) back before that all shuts down. Um, That's a great one. Okay, so we're going to do a quick lightning round. This one is Spill Your Guts. This is all about you personally. So what's the first brand you remember from your childhood? Sesame Street. And it is one of my favorite brands. I will say I've loved Sesame Street before I had kids, through kids and after. Um, it, this question that um, was a question I asked my my family to see what everybody remembered. It was kind of a fun one to ask at the dinner table. So, um, yeah, my husband and I had a discussion about Sesame Street. He said it's a show and I say it's a brand. It's definitely a brand. <laughs> I'm with you. And I also think you're doing exactly what you're meant to do. Rochelle, if you think about Sesame Street's the first brand you remember, your first job was babysitting. <laughs> I think it's all kind of coming together. So um, it all comes full circle. Yeah. So maybe relatedly, how would you describe your job to a child? I've had to do that in the past. It's interesting. Um, when my kids were younger, I remember going to their classrooms and having to talk about what I did. And the way I usually talk about it is helping to create products for people that they love. Um, and so really trying to understand what kinds of, well, in this case, it's, um, you know, for parents, what will make their lives easier, what will help them with their baby, what will help them teach their baby. Um, so that's typically how I talk about it. I've done it in the past when I was at Pepsi. I remember um, I went into one of my kids' classrooms and um, it was elementary school, but we were introducing um I think it was G2 for Gatorade. And there were a couple of new products that we were coming out with. And I um, gave them a little survey and I showed them the different products and I demonstrated it in that way, which one would you pick and why? And then I even got to share some products with them and they got to taste it. So it's all about probably telling them, but showing them too. um, And even asking um, kids their opinion, you know, what's your favorite product. And so that's usually how I talk about is really trying to, um, create the right things that people love and will help their hope. I love that you gave the most like holistic answer to that because it was educating the child, the theoretical child at the same time. So I love, we haven't had a child expert answer that question. So I love it. That's great. Um, what is the most used emoji on your phone? I think it's probably the wink. <laughs> the wink. Okay. To my yes. sarcastic New York nature. Um, <laughs> probably the wink or maybe the little this time of year, maybe the little celebratory um, when I use for birthdays, for graduations, for um, anniversaries. So probably one of those two. And we have a gutsiest brands playlist. What song would you add to it? Good Life by One Republic. If you know that song. Oh, I do know that song. Yeah. And I was trying to think about, is it something that represents me, represents the brand, represents kind of the connection to the consumer? And it, it is a little bit of all of those things for me, because, of course, I want to live a good life. And um, I want to think about those tiny wins and all of those um, fun times and focus on the positive. But it's also about the solutions that we're creating again. Right. And how do we have other help other people have a good life as the the psychologist in me, the child psychologist in me wants that for children and for them to grow up healthy and happy. The parent in me wants that. And the, you know, I think it's just a great mantra is just about living a good life. 
Yeah, that's a great way to bring it back to the tiny wins. I love that. Great addition to our playlist. Yay. Awesome. And it happened to be my ringtone. Not that I think I've had my ringtone on in quite some long time, (laughs) (laughs) but it happened to also be my ringtone, I think. That's very cool. Constant reminder. I love that. Well, Rochelle, thank you so much for sharing your stories across such a fun set of brands and an inspiring set of brands. We've learned a lot and it's been great to have your uh, child psychology expertise kind of perspective on, on gutsiness. That's been really cool for us. So thank you. Thank you for having me, Jess. It's been a pleasure. I really enjoyed our discussion and also the thought provoking questions, um, some of which I've thought about recently and some of which um, definitely take me back or um, kind of bring me questions to ask my family and friends too. So um, I love it. And um, I love talking about all of this. So it's really fun. and I appreciate the opportunity. That's great. Thanks for being here. That was a fun episode. I think Rochelle was our first guest who holds a degree in child psychology. Yeah, and I just love the perspective on child development psychology. Since being an initial fan of Sesame Street to babysitting to being a teens expert uh, for Pepsi and for Netflix and now running insights for some of the biggest baby brands, I'd say Rochelle is doing just what she's meant to do. I think you're right. So as usual, this episode was jam-packed with nuggets of wisdom. So let's do a quick download of the best takeaways. Yeah. Well, first, I I usually start with empathy. And in this case, I'm going to call it double empathy because you've got the empathy for the new parents that just needing those tiny wins and giving them solutions that meet them in those moments that matter, but also the empathy for that little baby human and how inspiring curiosity is so important for their development. Like, how cool is that? You're so right. It's such a short period of our life, but it's so impactful and intricate and complicated. So it really is all about empathy. Yeah. And I will definitely be reading that white paper. I'm fascinated by this idea of the children born today, the jobs that they will have. It's just really fascinating, isn't it? Yeah. And, you know, I was really struck by how Rochelle is an insights professional who just expertly runs her department. And as she mentions, she leverages a lot of different technologies, a lot of different approaches that are sort of best suited for the question at hand. And, you know, I appreciate how she talked about how important collaborating with her partners is. And we're really proud to be one of those partners here at Got Checked Luna. And, you know, I think Rochelle is just really smart about the types of research that she employs at different points in the process, right? Uh, Flexing with agile methods when it's more streamlined and really leaning in when when more rigor is needed. Overall, I think it was another really insightful conversation. Someone clearly so passionate about the brands that she leads. And it was just great to have an insights executive be part of our dialogue on Gutsy Brands. Thanks again for joining us for another episode of the Gutsiest Brands podcast. If you haven't already, be sure to hit subscribe so you don't miss our next episode. If you're looking to be inspired, head over to the Gutsiest Brands playlist on Spotify to hear song selections from all our amazing guests.